Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from. So who are you and where do you come from? I'm Rachel Kyo and I'm from Ballymun. And I didn't even know, I, I, I thought you were far from around, but I didn't remember. And then I was kind of saying to myself, where is she from? She's from Ballymun. But um, yeah. so a lot of people ages ago, because we're on this journey a long, long time. And a lot of people reached out to me to say to get Rachel on, get Rachel on. So then I was seeing what was happening on your Instagram mm. and what you are trying to deliver and what you are trying to get out there to people. And yeah. I was like, right, I do need to <clears throat> get her on. So yeah. thankfully, thankfully after, I think it's could be a year. It could, is, could it's over a year, year now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that I'm trying, that I'm trying. Like, do you know what? I hate annoying people. Yeah. And I and I always just kind of say like, I might just go there. And literally I was looking at your stuff a while ago and I was like, well, I just do it one more time. Because I do do like, so, I do do three, like go yeah. back, say, hi, hey, just, just wondering, just wondering. And then yeah. I'm like, Rebecca, that's it. Don't deny them anymore. Yeah, the fine line. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. she's a stalker now. So let's stop. <laughs> Rachel, yeah. tell me a little bit about yourself and growing up <coughs> in Ballymun. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so I... I Grew up in Ballymun, and I, I always say in the posh part. I was talking to the taxi man on the way over about that. Like he was, he was from the posh part of Tala, like you know. <laughs> and I'm from the posh part of Mofu. The courts is, uh, is the posh oh, part right. of Mofu. Oh, really? Anyone else out there is going to kill me? But yeah, I think yeah. the courts is because it's just the way we're closed in. Yeah. I think we're posh. The posh part, yeah. Yeah, in, in Ballymun, like <laughs> no, in Mofu, in, in Mofu courts. Like so, I was from the courts, and like just the drive in the avenue down yeah. in Prizewood, oh, uh, just right. beside okay. Darndale. So I was like, yeah. we're in between Darndale and Clunch and yeah. we kind of were on the border with Clunshock so yeah. that's why I thought that we were posh yeah. we weren't I literally know no, nothing about that area now. really and beside, uh, yeah I don't know why to me that like that area was always kind of like the, the countryside or something even though it's like so close yeah I don't know why like it was, do you know why it was because town you'd probably more you'd yeah kind of go into into town like I've just never gone yeah that go way, over that way and yeah. you know I have family in Ballymun as well um I'll tell you the name after this, because <laughs> you probably know them. Um, yeah. But I am all, the Jervises are my family up in Ballymun. Um, so I had... Blocker. Yeah, yeah. And I have a, like, I, do you know what? I, I know does, 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 it, That's my, my dad's brother's kids, and I know the girls, but I don't really know the boys. And then my yeah. cousin was Elizabeth Jervis, yeah. and she died um, a few years ago, God bless her. Uh, um, but we're all, they're very close-knit family they really yeah. are but like I yeah. always say it like yes. and someone will always throw something back at me when I say that name like go up there no, and go oh yeah I know them you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean so they yeah well known like yeah I, I mean I, I I grew up with 
blocker. Yeah. Do you know? And he like just salt of the earth. Like yeah. I loved him. Yeah. And um and that's the thing. Like you know, I I I'm, I'm from Sandy Hill, and it was like. Uh, James, you wouldn't go out. You wouldn't cross over to Sloke. Really? <laughs> you know, like it, like Sandy so, Hill sounds posh. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not like now; it's the complete opposite. You know, right. everyone I, like it's kind of enclosed, so not a lot would happen there. Do you know? What yeah, I mean? but, yeah. And then, but people actually copped on that there was you could kind of hide a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of all start going there over the last few years. Yeah. But back then. Um, <clears throat> you know, it'd be like, oh, Jace, don't go over to them flats. And I wouldn't mind. It was only a stone throw away, like across the road, you know. Yeah. And uh, my uh, girl that I grew up with, Catherine, her sister started kind of sneaking off over to Slogue and uh, she's hanging around with this lad. And she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of seeing the fella over there and everything. Do you yeah. know what I mean? <clears throat> and uh, we were like, what? Oh, my God, who, who are you seeing? Like, <laughs> and uh, we ended up going over one day and we were like, you know, what are you doing hanging around with them? They're, they're little gurriers, like, you know? <laughs> and um, so we started hanging around with them and uh, like they they were, we, I mean, so innocent. We yeah. So innocent. Like, so that would have been in the 80s, you know? And um I was always like, re- I, I love school. I was really academic, right? Really, um, I loved art. I spend most of my time in in, uh, in the Holy Spirit Church. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I used to, to do the art uh, for the church. You know, all the big doves and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And um, yeah, just really good. Like, and my family had really high expectations for me. Like, I was off winning competitions in the swimming galas and everything and tennis and, you know, all this. Yeah. And, um, but I think because I was doing so well, I kind of slipped under the radar a little bit, do you know? With um, who? With your parents or school or? I, like, oh, right across the board, mm. I think, but more so with my family back mm. then, you know? Um, and then my, my mom, she was only 14 when she got pregnant with me, right? And, um, so back then, like, it was, there was a lot of shame around that. No, I obviously wasn't really aware of that. Um, but she was going out with my dad, who was a good bit older, and um, he, they, they stayed together for about two years, and then they broke up, and that was it. I didn't see him um, until I was thirteen or twelve or thirteen. Um, and my nanny, this so back then, like it was mm. like when I think about it now, my nanny, so she kind of basically reared me, my nanny and my granda. And uh, it's gas like the way they used to go on because my my nanny said to me, "Oh no, your your dad's dead." <laughs> Do you know? Because mm-hmm. I found a photograph one day and I had a picture of me being christened and me auntie was there and my mum and, and me, me dad. And I brought it down and I was like, um, I call me nanny ma. And I yeah. was like, ma, who's that? And she was like, oh, that's your father. Do you know? Uh, that character, you know, this yeah. type of stuff. And um, and I was like, and where is he? And she was like, oh, your dad's dead. <laughs> and how old were you when this happened? Um, I think I was about, you mean when I said that to me nanny? Yeah. I was about seven. God. Yeah. So there was no kind of talk about him whatsoever um, when I was growing up. Did you know your ma was your ma? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did know that. But she ended up, um, she got pregnant then a few years later with, with my brother and she met another man. And um, and then even then she kept that secret the whole time, like throughout, you know, throughout her whole pregnancy right up until the very end that she was pregnant. Um, and then, it, you know, obviously she had no choice mm. to say it. Mm. Like, and, um, but she ended up, she moved out then over to um, the South Side. And I ended up staying with my nanny because I was in school there and kind of doing my thing, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I kind of like looking back now, I feel like that I, I, in hindsight, I was kind of happy enough, you know, mm. um, but 
like I don't really know if I was do you know that way like there, there was no communication about anything there was no like when my mum left there was no um explanation as to why she was going it was all very you know a secret mm. and I remember the, the day that she left and um it was around Christmas time and my, aunt, my uncle Declan came in and he was dressed up as Santi and uh, he was like right you know what I mean distract her and I remember him sitting, sitting me on his knee and they were all like oh, hello, hello. and I remember my mum coming down the stairs with her suitcase and uh, she ended up leaving and uh, there was no talk about it at all like you know and I think that kind of hit me really bad do you know the way like but in a normal kind of a way that would with any kid at that age, you know. In what way? <clears throat> I was only seven, like you yeah. know. I think I was just. I think I I I took it very personal, like as if um. I mean, with my granddad, um, like he was a heavy drinker, <clears throat> and uh, he um, no, I didn't know a lot of what went on with him until later on in my life, right? But he was a heavy drinker, and like. My fam, my aunties and my mom kind of really struggled with him. He was very unpredictable, you know. Um, he wasn't violent now or anything like that, but he'd come home and he'd upend the place and, you know, you'd have to be a certain way. And if you were being quiet, he'd say, <clears throat> you know, what are you doing sneaking around, the, you know, mm-hmm. the house? And if you were making noise, no matter what you're doing, he'd be, he'd be giving out about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, when I was born, there was killings over that. And because my mum was so young, um, there was mentions of my mum going to a a mother and baby home, right? Now, I kind of heard them stories as I was growing up, but to me, like, it was like, right, I didn't really think anything of it, I was just kind of, yeah, that that happened, like, you know? Um, But my mum and my nanny ended up having to run away from the family home for a few weeks because of that fear, you know? Um, And they went... Right, but can I ask you at that? Yeah. Is it, like... Is that government coming in, the church coming in and taking your mum and bringing her to that baby <coughs> home? Or is um, it who's, who's, who wants to bring yeah. her to the mother and baby so home? So basically, like back, so back then, I mean, and like it's mad because the last mother and baby home closed in 1998. So like it's literally only around the corner when you think about it. Um, but back then it was a crime. You, like it was a crime. It was illegal to have a child out of wedlock you know um so if that if you got pregnant um the nothing would happen to the father right because there, be, there wouldn't be any evidence on the father right the evidence would be on the woman obviously because you're the one that would be carrying the bump that was the mm-hmm. evidence evidence that was the shame that, that they carried with them do you know what i mean um and they you would be classed as illegitimate so the child is illegal you know um so you you would have been um like put into a home like enforced labor basically you know um so yeah um so that was that was that was the fear that something or someone would come knocking on the door you know um because you know back then it was a very different ireland like it's not it wasn't far from the way it is now mm-hmm. you know it, there was women were very repressed um very suppressed um like my my nanny my family aren't very religious but my nanny would be you know she'd be always kind of banging on about god and everything and um, but i remember even when i was young like everywhere i went you'd see the sacred heart of jesus you know he just he took center stage like mm-hmm. in every room you know and when i think about it now like um 
like in the like in the twenties, it was you know De Valera came in and he became the the prime minister. Mm-hmm. After all that, with Michael Collins and everything, and um, obviously they you know they, they made the, the proc- proc- proclamation of independence, mm. and it was meant to be like equality for men and women, you know. Um, but what happened was with De Valera, he was a devout Catholic, <clears throat> and he was really really close with the Archbishop McQuaid at the time. And McQuaid, he like he basically he he was probably one of the most dominant figures in Ireland back then, right? Um, and he really like De Valera really looked up to him. If you look at pictures of them, you see De Valera on on one knee, bound down to him, kissing his hand. And <clears throat> McQuaid literally went through the constitution with you know BDI over De Valera, and it was all like just staunch Catholicism, complete like you know indoctrination of um from the catholic church you know and a lot like very fear-driven stuff like that if you don't do x y and z i mean you're going to hell Mm. do you know do you know what i mean um so people like they really were terrified of stepping out of line you know because it was an awful shame like on your family and your community if if you if you had a baby out wedlock you know and so when your mom and your nanny went away when they came back yeah. So obviously they came back with a baby or was she still pregnant? She was still pregnant then because I, I mean luckily enough my 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 grandmother and, um, and my granddad worked, you know, so but if you didn't work like that was you were vulnerable, mm. you know. Um and like what would happen is is the priest would knock on your door, you know, and he'd say, Look, the nuns will give you a helping hand, you know. Um but as we know now that, that wasn't the case, like, you know. Yeah. Um, so there was a bit of fear around that. Now, if you speak to my mom now, right, and me, myself and my auntie's going to mess with my mom about it. She, like, she goes on like as if it never even happened. Do you know? She's like, oh, do you know what I mean? I was, I was glad, yeah. Like, do you know this type of attitude, you know? I did. A, I tried to do a podcast with my mom. And everyone, because yeah. she's a bit of a character. So when everyone yeah. does love her, like, you know, and I yeah. tried to have one with her. And I nearly killed her. Because I couldn't sit and talk. Because she was, I think she lost seven babies. And yeah, and she was like, oh yeah, but that just happened all the time. Like, you know, you'd lose one and you'd bleed and then you just get on with it. And I was like, and she was so, and I think maybe I should do it, sit down with her again. Because maybe her story should be told. But I was just so horrified that she was so blasé, like your own mother going, but that's what happened. You just did it. You just got on with it. Yeah, yeah. So, and you know after I've, I've been knee deep in all of this stuff like over yeah. the last few years and when I when I was growing up like I never really thought anything of it like you know it was just something that would be mentioned here and there but when I um I ended up um I got very involved uh I was asked to um like take part in the state of my art show that Alison O'Reilly set that up so it was kind of like a space um for people to express themselves art- artistically that were affected by the mother and baby homes you know and um I had worked well, Alison, she she um, went at the end of my addiction um, in 2006. Um, it was Alison that got on to me and she was like, look, uh, Sky News are really interested in your story, you know, because I was kind of, um, I was, I mean, they were going to amputate both my arms at that point. You know? Can we just briefly talk about that and then yeah. talk about to the point where you, you got into uh, with Alison? So, <coughs> yeah, because I know you, you've, you've been you were on late late you wrote a book didn't you as well yeah yeah, yeah. I remember that about you and I remember yeah. this beautiful girl on the late late and your blonde hair and all I remember and I was so many years ago was that um that was 2006 yeah so like I'm tell, 
lifetimes yeah. ago. Like, yeah, feels like a, a like a dream or something. Mm. I sometimes go, what? Did, what happened? Like how? Do you know it really kind of hits home? Like it takes a while for you to kind of, especially <clears throat> when you've lived your life like that. Um, you know, you, like it's something that I've kind of become a very aware, aware of. Um, that's really missing in Ireland is trauma informed care. It's a real thing. It's missing in like on so many different levels, like you know. Um, but yeah, like I when I was going through all of that, um, I think I was no more connected to the reality of the life I'd been living, the things that I'd done to myself, the things that I'd done to my family, you know, um, and the amount of people that I'd lost, you know, from true heroin was a heroin. Yeah, true drugs, like, you know, because, mm. like, when I, you know, blocker, I, mm. I started, it was a blocker and all of them kind of heads that I started hanging around before us, like, mm. you know, and we were all just, like, um, you know, so young and so naive, like, and um, drugs were only kind of starting to come into Ireland at the time, mm. you know, the Dunes were bringing all the drugs in, and um, we did, didn't really... My 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 dad, um, he suffered with addiction as well, um, and I I found that out later on in my life um, when I met him, because um, I ended up going looking for him, even though I was told that he was dead. I knew in my heart and soul that he wasn't like, and I found out then that he was alive, and um, he told me himself the very first time I met him that he had um, issues with addiction. Where did you meet him? Can I ask <coughs> you that? Um, How did you track him down first? Yeah, yeah. it's kind of funny, like. Um, I kept bumping into this girl out in Ballymun in the shops. My, what happened was, um, so I had, it's like we were all kind of recreationally kind of taking a bit, you know, smoking a bit of hash and stuff. And then that kind of progressed on to, um, you know, doing doing a few acids. And then that progressed on to doing E. And then that progressed on to doing, like, for me. And the mad thing was, right, was that, <coughs> there's something I want to say, right, is that the, the way myself and my mates would look, not real, like, in a kind of bad heart, mm. you know, way, but kind of go, there are gorillas over there or whatever. Do you know, we start hanging around with the lads in, in the in the, in the the flats, and I start going out with one of them, and salt of the earth, like, you mm. know, and uh, it was actually the lad that I was going out with, right, that turned around to me one day, and we had been, you know, we were all kind of smoking hash, but there's a, there was a, like shocking contrast between how I responded to drugs and the way they did that I've always kind of questioned like really yeah do you know always been like what is that about like do you know what I mean but my whole personality changed my behavior changed it literally was like as if I was grabbing a scruff of the neck and just kind of gone and I, I always say that like you know like I actually went to a party in 1993 and I didn't come back like till 2006 do you know? Really? Yeah, like that. That's what it felt like. And you know? why? And did you ever figure out why it affected you so much? Um, not really. Like I think, um, it's not something that I can ever kind of pinpoint. Mm. But I think, um, I mean, there's a lot. There is alcoholism in, in my family. Obviously, my dad's he suffered with addiction. My granddad had the alcoholism, and then my nanny side as well. Um, and then I think a lot of it was just environmental, like you know. But I think it's it's. For me, it felt very physical. It felt like a biological thing, as if my body was reacting, in a way, you know. Um, mm. And I tell you, right, to be very honest with you, um, my uh, someone very close to me, right, went and got a bit of THC there recently, right. Mm. And um, <clears throat> they were like, I want to kind of try the THC in the vape, you know. And it turned out that I, me, myself and himself, had we had the exact same vape, right. And didn't I pick up his vape by mistake, 
right? And um, I'm not joking you. I took one hoof off that. And I literally, I had to be carried, I literally had to be carried into the sitting room. Because you get an awful fright. I got an awful fright because <clears throat> I, I felt like I was a gra- like a granny. Mm. <coughs> Sorry, not that sounds yeah. really mad. Mm. But I just was completely gone. And I felt like I was a granny. I was obviously like hallucinating. with some kind of a, yeah. like a loo- you know, psychoactive thing in it. <clears throat> and I felt like I had no face. And I thought to myself, you've completely lost your mind now. You're not coming back from this. Like, yeah. from one half of, uh, you know, THC. But I don't know what that is. But I've always, I've often thought about it. And I've often thought about it in terms of, me, you know, my other friends, like, that would be like me. Um, that, that died even. Or that would go to the lengths that I went to. Like, it'd be like, what is that about? I noticed that a big difference with people even re- in recovery. Do you know, um, how we'd all be kind of, <clears throat> working off the same hymn sheet mm. all doing the same kind of a program now obviously we're all you know individuals we come from different backgrounds different experiences and all that but i used i used to be just struck by people that were very similar to me how come like they they just couldn't get it do you know mm. and that that was me i mean i've spoken openly about that i've relapsed uh, a lot of times it's been a huge part of my recovery do you think you know? it was the <clears throat> like the abandonment to of your mom, do you think it could have been that? That was it, and that's what was bringing it physically <coughs> onto you then, that you were just... Well, that was the narrative. For Is that what you told yourself? Yeah. Right. That was the narrative, yeah, yeah for a long, long, mm. long... I, I milked mm. that. Yeah. Not, not on purpose. I know, yeah, no, <laughs> but, I know. oh, Jesus, yeah. You know, I was like, oh, no, sure, you left me now. You know, my dad was a drug addict, and sure, my granddad was an alcoholic and all that, and there is truth in that, like, and these things did affect me. Do you know mm. what I mean? But I, I know loads of people that that the same thing happened to them as well and, and they didn't end up in, in the state that I did. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, yeah, so, I mean, after, like, you know, like, years of um, in and out of recovery and then finally, like, because I tried everything, you know, and then, then I kind of realised, I was like, do you know what, Rachel, that is kind of plausible. Them stories are plausible, but that's not the truth. Do you mm. know what I mean? I, I think it's much deeper than that. You know, because um, it feels like that's something that you haven't got a lot of control over. And it really, really does, you know. Um, it, just the way your brain works. It's just your brain. Yeah, it just it could be your makeup or your, your mm. chemistry, you know. Um, but yeah, even even my partner said to me, you, now he, he started laughing initially, like when that happened. Yeah. You know, I was, um, and I don't, he, he, but then he says to me, Jesus, Rachel, that was bad. That What, what was that about? Like, and I, I was I don't know, but I genuinely don't react in the same way that other people do to, to certain drugs, yeah. like, you know. Can I take uh, it back to to when you met your dad? Like, yeah. So you find out he's alive. So yeah, you met a yeah. woman in the shops telling me about that. You, we kept bu- bumping into a woman, you said. Yeah. In your circle. So it was just the lad that I kind of started going out initially in Ballymun. Mm. He was the one that, he, like, I was with him and we bumped into this woman out there and she was a drug user in the shops, right? Mm. And um, she she come over to me and she say, "I oh, hey a princess and everything." And I knew your your man, your dad, you know all this. Um, and um, so that was just something that I knew that she she knew him, mm. but I never really knew how or any of that. And um, I just had a feeling like that. I just knew in my heart that he was alive. And um, I said it to my friend Catherine. I said, "We have to. I have to find that woman and ask her. It were if me how she knows my dad first mm. of all." So um, we kind of went on a bit of a like a, a hunt for your woman and uh, 
and we found her we tracked her down and uh, I knocked on the door and the two of us were I was terrified and uh, she she was like oh Micah come in come in chicken and she says to me she says your dad he's been waiting for years for you to come looking for him and I was like no way and she was like yeah he's all he does is talks about you and all this kind of stuff and um and she says look I'll arrange and she she told me that she actually was was his partner <gasps> Yeah, and uh, she said, I'll arrange for you to meet him. So I, was, I met him the Tuesday after that in, at the Kingfisher in yeah. town. Yeah, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> and I brought my friends with me, like, because I was yeah. like, what if he kidnapped me or something like that? Or Did you tell your nanny? No, I didn't. I didn't tell my family or anything. No, no. I didn't know him out, like. Um, Did you look like him? Did you know he was your dad as soon as you saw him? No, no. I was, I was kind of weirded out, like. To be honest with you, because he was so young, you know, and he put—I know this sounds really weird—but he put his arm around me in the Kingfisher, and I was thinking, people probably think he's my my boyfriend, like yeah. sugar daddy or something like mm. that. I was just totally weirded out, like, because mm. I, you know, my my granddad, even though he, you know, had his ways, me and him, like, we were so close. Mm-hmm. Like, I used to think he was hilarious, like the way he went on, do you know, and he really softened then mm. when I was born, mm. and me and him got on great. So he was my dad, you yeah. know. Um, and uh, so I was kind of worried out by my dad initially. And then I think it was the thing when he, t- he told me that he had an addiction, you know. So I was a bit, f- I didn't understand it, mm. you know, and I was a bit freaked out by that. And he, because myself and like, you know, all the people are hanging around, we used to slag them. We'd be like, oh, look at them with their yazoos yeah. and their rolls and all, like falling mm. around all, all over the place and everything, yeah. you know. Mm. And then, uh, so yeah, I mean, that was my first time meeting them. And uh, I, my friends were kind of watching. I got them to come with me and they were watching, like, you know, from across the road to make sure that he didn't kidnap me or anything like that. Isn't it mad the situations so young that you put yourself in, like, years ago, that we'd never put your son or my daughter, we'd never let them put themselves in these situations, but, like, years ago, (laughs) just these things, like, happened as such, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And did you stay in contact with him? Um, Yeah, like, I, I, I mean... See, what happened was I really spiralled out of control very quickly um, with my own addiction. And uh, he was like, he, you know, he said to me, it's kind of mad. Like, uh, I mean, at that point I had started to smoke weed or smoke hash and I was starting to take stuff as well. So I, I don't think my head was great either, you know. Mm. And um, I, I told him kind of straight off the bat that I was taking drugs. Like, and he was like, sorry, what? What do you mean? And who, who's giving you drugs? Do you know? Um, and... Uh, it was like, in a weird way, that I was trying trying to impress, impress him. him. I know that sounds really weird, like, but <clears throat> I just couldn't really comprehend how to uh, connect with him, like, especially after him telling me that he was taking drugs. Because then I'd walk into the shops and he'd be standing around with all the all the people outside the Calmore, you know, and these were the people that we used to kind of slag, like, so mm. it, was, it was kind of weird. Um, and then, and then I was kind of starting to dabble myself, like, but the whole time I thought, well, I mean, I'm not like that, do you know? Mm. Like, I, I, I wouldn't even enter my head anything about that, you know. Um, <clears throat> and then I remember one day the lad I was seeing, he turned around to me and he says to me, um, a, a, a big fancy car went past the flats in, in Slough, and uh, I said, I'll have one of them when I grow up, you know, messing. And he goes, No, you won't. And I was like, What? And he goes, No, he says, You keep going on the way you're going, like, and you're going to end up in big trouble, you know. And he, like, we were only 13 or something, and he said that. <coughs> and uh, I thought that was hilarious when he said it. I couldn't, couldn't believe it. I was, like, I was like, Why are you even saying that to me for? And he was like, No, you are you going to end up like them if you keep going the way you're going? He said that to me. 
And you'd no notion that you were in so deep in it? No, I hadn't a clue. At that point, like, I hadn't even taken heroin or anything. But I think he's seeing the difference in my personality, the difference in my behaviour. Um, and, you know, and I think at that point then, because people were starting to spot it, I kind of stopped hanging around with them and I started going with people that were kind of doing mm. similar stuff, you know. They were going up to the pavilion, taking these and um, living for the weekend, you know. Uh, it was like, you know, the, the rave scene, you know. It was um, innocence lost, mm-hmm. I always call it, you know. Um, none of us knew what was ahead or what we were getting ourselves into. And most people that I kind of start using drugs with then are not not here anymore you know how many people do you think you've lost in your life um hundreds i'd say Jesus. yeah i think that's been probably one of the hardest things like to come to terms with is that for me mm. you know it's something that kind of it, it um it and that kind of doesn't leave you you know when you know the people that were in the same situation and they were good people do you know what I mean? It's just so sad. Like, you Do you know. struggle with, why did I survive and they didn't? Um, yeah, probably. I think I think I, I did have a bit of that, especially like when I wrote my book and stuff, you know. Um, I, um, being, being so uh, public mm-hmm. and, and just speaking so openly, um, I, I did, yeah. I, I'd, like when we were doing, I'd, I'd done a play with Grace Dyes called Heroin. <coughs> and... Um, it was all about the drug epidemic in Ireland and um, the last production that we done of it, um, we done a thing called The Beautiful Souls and um, I asked people to send me in, um, you know, if they wanted to, if they wanted to dedicate the, the heroin, the new production to their loved ones that, that died in addiction. And I'm not joking, you like we got hundreds of people that sent in their loved ones pictures, you know, what, what they loved, you know, um, um, you know, like who they were, who they were mm. before they took drugs, like mm. you know, and the good stuff that they remembered about them, and um, so I, I was like absolutely just devastated throughout all of that with about that, and we had like at the end of the um, play, the kids, we had kids that would come up and we did like loads of candles, and we put like their the people's pictures there and mm. uh, little plaques and stuff, you know, and that that was really really powerful. I I I really kind of felt felt I. You probably think I'm mad, but I actually felt like there was people there with us at times. Like I an army them, of I, people. I like, feel right now yeah. that there's an army of people standing in this room. Stop. I can feel it. And I I can feel them on my shoulder. I can feel them standing beside me. I can feel the weight of them in my cheeks. I can feel mm-hmm. it here. Yeah. I can feel yeah. Yeah. that heaviness, but they're not. Yeah. Sad that standing, it's yeah, and I, I never, I never, because I used to like it's like they're just standing, listening, they're like taking yeah. every word out of your mouth. I can yeah. feel that, Serious. I swear to it's like just here, I can feel really? that heaviness. I, I, to be honest with you, right, I ended up, um, I like, uh, at, w- at one point, I ended up having to go to my garden because I kept all of that. If you look on, t- on top of my fridge, right, mm-hmm. um, my friend knocked around today and I was looking for something and I was like, oh, Jay, where is it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, well, you have a look on top of that fridge and he says, Jay, have you got enough mask cards up there, Rachel? Do you know what I mean? And um, they're like, I just have loads of mask cards of the people, you know, friends and stuff like that that passed away. And then, mm-hmm. um, but when we were doing the heroin play, uh, Grace said to me, 
um, maybe you should do a cleansing mm. and you know uh, kind of like release yourself mm. from all of that so you can kind of heal and not be carrying that around with mm. you so I did like I went out to my garden and um, I, dug, I dug a hole and I put all the names in there and I burned them right and uh, I, I still don't think I still feel I still feel like they're with me mm. you know and that probably sounds very dark no not to me. Do. It doesn't. It does, I, I, and I'm going to say to this house because can all fuck off after she yeah. leaves. Thanks very much. <laughs> back, you can take more. them all over. Yeah. But it's like, it, but it is like that. You just feel that that weight of it on you, and you're like, yeah. well, why me? Why did I survive? Why am I still here? Yeah. But the reason you did is for what you're doing right now, and what you have been doing, and the years of things that you've been doing. So I'll be very honest. I again, like you were saying, growing up looking at mother baby homes. I was like, I, I knew my friend's nanny was in the one in Sean McDermott Street. I knew she had an awful life, but I didn't, don't really know. Yeah. So do you want to tell me how you got involved in that and then what you've been doing over the years? Yeah, um, so, and that's the thing what you said there, like, is that um, I think when it comes to the mother and baby homes, right, most of us have heard about it. Mm. You'd be shocked the amount of people that haven't, though. It's, I mean, really is shocking. Um, but I think most people go, ah, oh, yeah, that I, I heard about that. But if you sit down and actually think about it, most people will kind of go, geez, that actually is very personal to me. That happened to, you know, my great great granny or whatever, mm. do you know. Um, and that's kind of what happened with me, to be honest. Um, I initially got involved as an artist and uh, with well, Alison O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. So she, Alison is the, the girl that the, she broke the story of the two babies with Catherine Corliss. Catherine Corliss is the historian who who found <coughs> seven hundred ninety six uh, babies in a septic tank in June. Um, how did she find him? Like, how did what 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 happened? Well, Catherine, um, she would have went to like when she was growing up, right? She um, she said that she remembers a lot of the kids from June coming into her classroom, and uh, they knew they were like, oh, that's them them kids from the home and she always remembers when she was younger that they were like they were miserable looking like you know and um it was something that always stuck with her and then she ended up becoming an archaeologist or a historian you know um and uh she went initially just to kind of do a little bit of a, a history kind of a thing about jim and uh, as she went on she uncovered that there was um a septic tank there with 796 babies that kind of there were kind of in chambers um with in unconsecrated grounds so basically they were allowed to perish and they weren't given a proper burial they threw them into the ground threw lime on top of them to try and um, disintegrate the bodies quicker babies um so 796 who did this uh the church and the state yeah literally worked hand in glove so this is this is what i'm saying to you this is the type of ireland that, that it was you know um it was um it was like very heavily uh like indoctrinated by catholic you know um catholicist ideology and like misogynistic stuff women you know were very repressed um and uh yeah like it's 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 horrible even to to think about it like but um yeah so the women's will be sent into them homes like if pull they that had, a bit you know you already can pull it but just the pull. women's will be sent into homes um, yeah. if they had a baby out of wedlock and uh they were made work in like appalling conditions like um back breaking um hours you know 
and for nothing like uh so that that would be the kind of the sentence like that you'd get you know they cut your hair they change your name um and they you'd have your baby and then your baby would be uh taken off you there'd be no breastfeeding no bonding the child would be taken off you um now if the nuns weren't able to financially capitalize off your child right um so if if your child had any kind of a defect, say if I had a cleft clep lip or something, or you know hadn't you know anything wrong with it, not I don't mean wrong, I know with babies, but mm. to them where they couldn't capitalize off it financially, um, they they'd let the baby babies die, you know, um, and so seven hundred and ninety five babies were registered to have died in Chum. Um, and Catherine went and she just knew she knew this is not right and she just kept digging and digging and digging and digging and eventually she found out that it was 796 babies that, that they let, let perish uh, in Chum so that that was that was huge and then Catherine um, Alison O'Reilly <coughs> now Alison is the girl that she was the one that broke my story mm-hmm. at the time when I was trying to access treatment Right, and I always say this, honest to God, it was lit- nothing altruistic about me going to the media. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was about me. I was dying to my feet. I couldn't ac- access uh, services. They were going to amputate both my arms because I, uh, most of the veins in my body had collapsed from repeated injections. Like, and uh, and I just like what I couldn't stop using. Do you know? Um, and I was dying basically. And uh, so my mom went to the newspapers and uh, just desperate. You know, there was 26, uh, 26 detox beds to 16,000 drug users at the time. Wow. Do you know, so impossible, like, to get in, in anywhere. <clears throat> and uh, I was just, I knew, I was like, I'm going to die. My ma had moved over to Lanzarote and she came back. My, my nanny rang her and she says, look, we're going to, we're going to bury Rachel, like, you need to come home. So she came home. And out just out of desperation, she went to the papers and uh, the Independent picked up on it, and then uh, Sky News. So that's when I met Alison. Um, so Alison done that documentary with me, with like a fly in the wall mm. type of thing. Mm. And then I stayed friends with Alison for years, but she broke the story of the the chewing babies. Um, and then you know, people were obviously and rightly enough, people were absolutely outraged. You know that that this had happened. You know. Um, did these mothers know that the baby died or did they think that the babies had been adopted or what did these mothers think? Um, I don't know, like to be honest, uh, I'd say it would be very hard to think that your baby died, <coughs> you know. Um, they had what they called scream houses for the women and you hear a lot, I know, you hear a lot of the survivors talking about that, you know, when the babies were taken away from the mothers. Um, the nuns would put the, the mothers into scream house and people say that, that that's their memories of hearing the mother screaming you know um <clears throat> and the babies would never be seen again you know so they a lot of people kind of just went into to denial about it mm. you know you'd, you'd have to to be able to survive mm. you know now don't talk about that kind of stuff the shame of it as well and they they carry that with them like you know and most a lot of them you know didn't come forward <coughs> Over one hundred thousand women went through the homes, <coughs> and that amount of people haven't came forward since that because of the shame. You know, they were banished from their communities. They were told that they were illegit- illegitimate. They were fallen women. They were like the devil's spawn. When they were um, given birth, they were denied medication. 
weren't allowed to have medication and the, the nuns would be whispering in their ears now was it worth your two minutes was it do you know this type of stuff like it was Jesus yeah um, so the, the level of trauma you know there um, and then the, the, the kids you know they'd like I mean they'd be trafficked they were, a lot of them were tra- uh, trafficked over to Australia or uh, the States or whatever so Alison, um, she set up the state me art show and uh, it was a space and a way for people to be able to deal with, uh, you know, how they felt about it. And um, she asked me to get involved as an artist initially um, because art for me has been a huge part of me, you know, my recovery um, and healing. Um, and <clears throat> so I was, I was delighted about that and I was like, obviously you need to understand the subject to be able to get into it properly. Mm-hmm. So the survivors uh, invite me into their groups and um, I got to know loads of them on a personal level. Um, I got to lo- know a lot of the other artists as well from all over the world. And I'm um, not joking, you like the, I, nothing could have prepared me for that. I don't, I swear to God, I, I literally, I, I've been trying to scream from the rooftops about this like over the last few years, you know, um, because I don't, I don't think people really understand what has happened and how deep like personal it is to us mm. you know um <clears throat> so yeah and then i learned that you know um so after the story of, of chill mm. uh, a lot of people start kind of coming out and talking about their stories and the survivors start fighting you know so they set up um the commission of investigation um in 2015 um and they were going to investigate uh 13 mother and baby homes and two county homes um and uh, so, like, the babies that were still in tune, um in that septic tank. And uh, so the commission went on from, from 2015, and then it came out right in the middle of... Now, uh, like, every every few months, they'd be like, oh, no, we'll have we'll have the report out then, and, we, you know, it's all going to be addressed properly and all this type of stuff, and the survivors were waiting, like, just constantly fighting, like, you know. Um, and eventually it came out then um, in uh, the middle of like the global pandemic i think it was uh, 2020 or something level five lockdown right Um, none of the survivors had been given the report themselves beforehand right so they didn't know what to expect what the government were going to come out and say um <clears throat> i remember looking at a picture of rose mckinney and uh rose had four babies and they were taken by the nuns in chill um, Rose is the oldest uh, survivor of the tomb, uh, mother and baby home. And I never forget seeing Rose right, standing in our garden, um, level five lockdown. A journalist brought out um, a, a laptop and Rose had to stand there in the freezing cold. Uh, I think it was snowing actually at the time. And she's standing there in the freezing cold in her garden um, reading this, what the, the report on a laptop like, you know. And Rose, she, she'd be like, she'd be near 90. So I, I was absolutely devastated by that. Like, to me, <clears throat> um, I've just been really, like, really troubled by what I've witnessed um, since the Commission of Inquiry has been set up. I'm being absolutely disgusted by it. Really am. Really disgusted by it. Isn't it you know? bad how, even now, like, I'm going, oh, God, I think I remember that. Yeah. I think I remember it. Yeah. Do I? I think I do. Like, it's... it's you- fucked up it's so fucked up as me as a woman yeah like that we 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 just not we haven't we have we've we'll have we've just let it gone over our heads because it yeah. didn't affect us 
Yeah. But actually, it, it did. Absolutely, it did. Like, this is our soul. It's our, like, you know, what happened in them mother and baby homes, what happened to them women and children, right? The government, when they set up that investigation, that was their opportunity to set a precedent and to show that the, that what they think about the, the women and children of Ireland mm-hmm. today. Do you know what I mean? That was their opportunity to do that. And they didn't do it. They really didn't do it. You know, they... The whole thing has been a, a, a complete whitewash, a shambles, you know. What was the outcome? What did they come out and say? <clears throat> so the outcome was that a uh, 3,000 page report, right? And um, they, so Michal Martin, he gave the apology and as I said to you, it was in the middle of um, level five lockdown where the survivors weren't able to access supports, couldn't access basic stuff of being, having that physical connection with the people around them after everything that they had gone through. And having to do that, you know, a lot of them on their own and really old, like, you know. Um, so, to be honest, I actually felt that was tactical, you know, on, on the government government's behalf. And if not tactical, like, beyond, like, inconsiderate, inconsiderate mm. of the, the women and children. Um, <clears throat> so, anyway, yeah, they came out and Michal gave a half um apology, right? Now, if you were listening to it, you'd probably go, well, but, you know, he's had to give, he apologised, like, you know? Mm. Um, and some of the survivors and everything, they did thank him, you know? They, they were like, look at the thanks, he apologised, you know? But when you, when, you really, when you really listen to it and you look at the report, <coughs> um, and this is, this is what I've been struck by right since the whole thing, um, the methods that they used with the Commission of Inquiry um, were fundamentally flawed, fundamentally flawed right they looked at that the whole mother and baby home thing from a social standpoint it shouldn't have been from a social standpoint it should have been from a human rights standpoint you know and a legal standpoint and it kind of suited them to look at it from a social standpoint because they came out and they said that society were to blame you know um so and that the fathers were to blame and the families were to blame do you know and by them kind of not looking at it from a human rights uh, angle, it kind of let them off the hook, you know, more than what I should have. You know, they were hand in glove, um, you know, with with the church um, in all of the homes. Um, they had they, the uh, local authorities and the HSC held their meetings in the mother and baby homes, right? They went in there. They seen that the children were being uh, neglected, you know, um, they were like the, now I've been very kind of focused on Deshaun Ross Abbey mother and mm. baby home Deshaun Ross Abbey has the, the highest um, death rates of, of any of the homes where was that? Um, it's in uh, Tipperary okay um, so there's 1,090 babies um, that are unaccounted for in Sean Ross Abbey just disappeared off the face of the earth like nowhere to be seen again ever 1,090 babies and 1,094 have been accounted for. We we got all their names. We got, we know how they died. Um, some of them choked on their porridge. Um, some of them um, died from heat stroke. Some of them died from uh, sunstroke. Um, congen- con- con- congenial heart failure. Mm. Masmerous. Do you know? How did you find that out, Rachel? Um, Alison. Alison uh, find it, found it out. But I swear to God, like when she when she got the, when she got those names and the causes of deaths, like we were we were we were in an awful state for weeks, like over that when we were reading through it, you know. And a lot of them were like um, 
only like a few days old or you know like no less than one how long did you it know? take you to find that information a good while it took Alison a, a, a long time like to get that you know it's all just been um it's it's been a battle you know like trying to get anything um out of the government you know has been uh e- e- even with the length of time that it took for them to apologize it's just not acceptable like you know um so I was kind of going around, like, kind of listening to all of this and watching it all and going, do you know what, like, if you if you um, had a child in, in your care, right, and you let the child die from heat stroke or choked on its porridge, right, and you went out there now and, and dug a hole there and you, you threw that child into a pit, you know, and, uh, and didn't open your mouth to anyone, right, and then someone found out about it, the guards would be up here like a light. And you'd, there'd be a big investigation into you and you'd be locked up straight away and you'd be, you know, persecuted mm. for it. So I'm kind of standing here and I'm watching, you know, the survivors and I'm watching how they're they're handling the, the investigation. And I'm like, why is it like one, it's one law for you and it's a, another law for us, like, do you know, mm-hmm. that's not, that's not a real government. That doesn't instill your trust in a government. I, for me as a mother and as a woman, I, I've no I've no trust in the government whatsoever. And it's not like just willy-nilly, like tinfoil ha-head stuff. That, mm. It's not that. It's uh, like valid reasons. Like they're going around, they're, they're breaching like um, all sorts of laws. And I've, you know, I've been knee deep in it. As I said to you, I, I literally, um, I've kind of just went off. I've been doing my own thing for the last couple, the last year or so because I took it upon myself um, that I was like, you know what? Um, because of the way the government dealt with this and the lack of transparency about it, right? I was like, I, I think we actually need to do this, do this ourselves. We need to go and find out what is in, in them grounds in Sean Ross Abbey. And the reason with Sean Ross, Ross Abbey is because it's the only house that's not state run where we could actually go and do it. Okay. You know? um, so, uh, and I was like, you know, they just can't be trusted. The way they handled that was just um, a shambles. So we need to go and do it ourselves. Um, so I set up um, a, a, like a community kind of crowdfunding thing. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, I mean, it was absolutely amazing. Like the people that got involved and from the holistics, which was just perfect for this, like, mm. you know, was unbelievable. People doing cacao um, ceremonies, yoga workshops, um, MMA workshops, mm. um, like uh, we... You know, we done like a distant healing thing one day where lo- loads of us on social media, the candles and all that type of stuff. Like, and I, I honestly think that that really paid off. Mm. But I've never seen a GoFundMe or, a, you know, a crowdfunder to take so long to actually hit a target. Really? Yeah, honestly, I, I mean, I have been shocked by that. You know, and even with the State of the Art Show. Yeah, why do you think that is? What is it? Do you think it's still a shame piece or? I think, um, I think, I just think people can take it in, mm. you know and as well as that i think the reason why people can't talk about it is because a lot of people that were involved in you know what happened to those babies are still alive mm. you know they are like the, mm. the graves men the diggers the people that actually you know brought the children from ireland over to america and trafficked them over to different families a lot of them are still alive so that's why nobody will talk about it you know, and then so does that, and then it's the other thing that we're just normal kind of, you know, working people or citizens are just like, geez, I just can't actually take that in. It's too close to the bone. 
or else they might know somebody that that it happened to them and there's still that like it's got malignant shame that's what you know that's what it's called because if you're it's like anything if you're told something you know over and over and over for long enough and you're treated in a certain way you you'll believe that if you're Mm. told that you're not worth we you know you don't your voice is not worth hearing Mm. you know you'll believe that and i think that's what has happened i i mean do you know what you just said there about like the grave diggers yeah there was fucking grave diggers there was grave diggers yeah the nuns didn't do that i know they did that but there's there's people so hell they must like those men going home to their own families every night yeah being after being instructed by the nuns to dig a grave yeah yeah for for dead little babies yeah i know and you see the way they looked at it is i mean they have the church haven't taken haven't taken responsibility for this as far as they're concerned they provided a service they said that they didn't set conditions for um the type of island that we lived in then they provided a service for that (laughs) that's what they that's what they're saying so nobody is taking responsibility here do you know and it's like that's um you know to do that, right, that's manslaughter. Mm-hmm. If you let a baby die in your care, you know, and you don't report it, that's mm-hmm. manslaughter. It doesn't, they're crime scenes, you know, and it's not being treated like a crime scene, you know. Imagine, like, the message that, that our government is sending out to the survivors and women and children of Ireland to not, to drag that out the way they did, you know, and to, you know... Like to say, this is what they said: no evidence of abuse, no e- no evidence of forced adoption. You know, just do lally. But the reason why they're saying that, right, is because, and this came out now after after the commission of inquiry, <clears throat> there was a, there was three people that were appointed right uh, to work on the commission, right. So it was um, one of them was Judge Yvonne Morphy, and then there was another one, uh, Professor Mary Daly, right. So um, after they came out with with, with the uh, apology and the report, a lot of the survivors were going mad, right, and they were saying, "Hang on a minute, this the the wording in this, the language is it's not reflecting um, testimonies that they would have given, right." <clears throat> and uh, so the government asked uh, Judge Yvonne Morphy to, to appear in um, some, the, the House for Rock, just something got to do with the Department of Children, to answer key questions about the um, methods that were used during the commission, right? So she point blank denied. She's like, no, I'm not, I don't want to talk about it, right? <laughs> right? And, uh, but then didn't um, uh, Mary, Professor Mary Daly, the other woman, she she went into a his like a history into Oxford. Mm. It was like a, a history kind of a um thing on, and uh, she like unannounced. Nobody even knew she was coming, and she went in and um she gave she she told them basically that the whole t- the commission was set up in a way to confuse the survivors, right? So basically, they put out like a little kind of a thing in the paper saying, if you were in the mother and baby homes, please come forward. You know, we will compensate you, blah, blah, right? The tiny little thing. So then all of these people came forward, right? <clears throat> and they say, they'd say to you, okay, well, this, you can do one of two things, right? And you get to choose. You can tell your story to um, uh, the Commission of Investigation, right? Now, with the Commission of Investigation, um, you, you're going to have, you're going to be sworn under oath, right? Because we don't really believe you, right? 
Um, and you're going to have to sign an affidavit and your your whole past is going to be scrutinised with a fine two comb, right? And um, it's going to be more or less saying, like, it's going to be really, that's really difficult stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> or you could go and talk to the confidential committee and you'll have it like a sympathetic ear. Obviously, much easier for you. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I mean, what, what, what would you yeah. do? And, like, it's not, like, for offence for me to say this, about, but, like, the women in those ages, they didn't, those things are traumatic enough, but they didn't, they weren't educated enough that when they see, oh, I have to sign affidavits and I have to sign this and I have to give up this, and to, they'd be terrified. My mom would be terrified of paper. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Work. absolutely yeah. terrified of paperwork yeah and that's a legal document and you want me to sign it yeah it's, it's outrageous oh i know it really is and that's it i mean a lot of them wouldn't wouldn't have had a clue and they wouldn't know like oh here check the small print do you know mm. <laughs> just stuff like that um and so 550 of the survivors went with the um the softer approach and um they did then at the end of all then they said well actually um it was confidential so confidential so we can't we can't put it into the report because the report's going to be public it was a masterstroke so really and truly on 19 the whole testimony right so this is what our our history of the Woodrow and baby homes is based off 19 testimonies right and then what happened was um the 550 uh it was audio recordings that they got off the survivors right magically disappeared off the face of the earth yeah i just went missing um now that's that's a crime my that state does it uh the 2004 act the commission of investigation means that um any kind of testimonies that are given um by citizens to to the commission um they they can't be destroyed until the investigation is dissolved right and they went missing like and leo was like oh my god i'm, I'm just so surprised you know all this <laughs> And uh, and there was there was uproar over that, 
Oh, naturally enough, right? But even at that, like, I mean, I'd say it to people and people go, just, I never did, didn't even hear about the mother and baby homes. Mm. Do you know, and all of this is going on, like this, this uproar about it. But, you know, a lot of the survivors are so old and they're, they're, it's like blow after blow after blow, punch in the face, punch in the, you know, and it's like to the point they're just completely disorientated that you miss all of this stuff then that's kind of happening underhand from where I can, where from what I can tell. Mm. Because while all this was going on in, during the pandemic, right, mm. so then what did they do after, so then after that then they were like, right, now we're going to seal the archives, all the testimonies now for 20 years, nobody would be ever, 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 ever able to access their own documents for 20 years. So, I mean, most of the survivors will be gone at that yeah. point, do you know? Um, <clears throat> and uh, and that's another breach of, like, EU, the Charter Law. You're, you're, they can't do that. You, everyone is entitled to access their own files, you know? But they have sealed those records for 20 years. Um, and uh, and then, then they brought in the burials bill. Mm. Right, so the burials bill basically is um, like if any, if someone passes away, right, uh, a coroner has to be present, um, and he has to do like an inquest into the death, write down what happened, you know, time all that, and where the person is buried, right? That's that's the law, right? And during all this, while all this was going on, they uh, changed the legis- legislation around the burials bill, and now a coroner doesn't have to be present, right? So what that means is is if if they go in and um, if they do, if they kind of exhume the babies and chill, mm-hmm. we're never going to know how they, what happened because there'll be no coroner. Do you know? So this is the type So those babies are still there? Yeah, so the babies are still in a septic tank lying there now in, in water, sewage, just there, lying there left without any acknowledgement, like just... And the sees, you know, there's Anna Corrigan, she's amazing. Um, her mother was put into tomb and she's looking for her brothers, John and William. And Amma, um, Anna is absolutely amazing. She's, just, she's, like a, she's like a solicitor herself at this point. She had to go off and, you know, study the law to try and keep up with everything that's going on. Um, but she's devastated. Like, um, she doesn't know. She, she thinks her brothers are in those tanks. You know? Um, and... It's just never ending. It just, you know, just no answers. No one's being held accountable. Nobody's being prosecuted. Nothing is being done about it. Do you know how they haven't exhumed those little babies? How how have they not done that and yeah. given them a proper burial? Yeah, I know. I I mean, I am absolutely devastated over it personally. I mean, I, and I, you know, I'm not even subject to it. I can't believe it. Like I just can't get over that. That um, there's not more people like going berserk over this. Talking like, about this. Yeah, yeah. Like why is there not murder? Yeah. Like on the streets of Dublin about this. Like why is yeah. there not like yeah. seven hundred and ninety six babies? Seven hundred and ninety six babies. Yeah, that's genocide. Because I mean, um, over in Canada. So the, you know, the indigenous, indigenous people yeah. would have been very similar to the Irish, like, you know, back in the famine days and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, they, uh, a lot of, a lot of them would have been sent into industrial schools. And uh, they, there recently, last year, they found 200 and I think 215 babies in Camp Loop, right, industrial school in Vancouver. And they went berserk 
right they went mad and rightly so they went out they got their own um gpr uh scanner so that they could go and scan all the grounds everywhere all across canada canada it was all over the nose um and uh, but I, I think only if you're tuned into it you'll see you know yeah. um and they took it upon themselves and i was just watching it going oh my god that is amazing that he's done that and they they just they're after finding thousands of, of uh remains and they had they're having you see they're having these ceremonies where they're taking the babies the remains up out of the ground and you know because i think if that image of this country mm. watching babies being pulled out one after another yeah in tune would set this country on fire yeah yeah and probably is what what's needed well this is um it's worrying now that, that they're after bringing in the the burials bill you know um that there won't be an inquest there but they're I mean, I don't know. I don't know where the survivors get the strength or the courage or the energy to just keep going and going and going. They're amazing. They really are, you know. Um, but that's it. Like, I mean, that's what I was like. I actually cannot deal with the fact that our government is literally blatantly pulling the wool over everyone's eyes, you know. And they're going, oh, well, you know, there wasn't really any abuse now. But and we did only base that off nineteen uh, testimonies, you know. And we did like we lost all the rest of them. You know, it's it's blatant stuff, like you know, um. So I um started that fundraiser thing, and um, the plan was initially right that I wanted to I wanted to go and scan the grounds of Sean Ross Abbey, um. And but in order to do that, I obviously had to get a lot of money, like. So it's like, right, we put on an event, and mm. you know, we get people to come in to honor the survivors and um celebrate them you know celebrate their strength and their courage and all that and then we can kind of get that money then and put it towards the scanning of the grounds you know so i initially wanted to get three parts of the ground done the angels plot and then so with the angels plot um right so it's weird the angels plot is really really uh eerie feeling off off it like most people i know would say the same thing once you go to it it's like it kind of just clings to you mm. do you know what i mean um the angels plot is like uh, it's in the shape of a coffin. If you were looking from an aerial view down, you couldn't miss it. Like it's the exact dimensions of a coffin, but just enlarged. So you'd nearly think that that was done on purpose to kind of catch your attention, right? Mm. But I actually think that, considering the babies are in septic tanks in tomb, if they're going to put them in tanks in tomb, they're more than likely going to put them in tanks in other places. Mm. But they went in, they built a sewage system right at the side of the um, angel's plot, um, and then they built loads of um, trees right beside it. So I, I, I'm convinced that there's more babies beside the angels' plot. And I'm convinced that they're in the orchard as well. So I wanted to get those three areas scanned. Now, obviously, you know, a lot of people wouldn't want me to do that. Mm. Do you know? Um, there's people that don't want, don't want those things unearthed, mm. you know? Um, so it's, it has, it's like, it's been a bit of a nightmare, put it that way. But um, we ended up having to postpone the event because we put on in the middle of festival season and it kind of got swamped and mm. we were like, no, pull that because we just couldn't afford to risk it. Mm. Um, and then I, I was like, we'll just go in and we'll scan the angels plot. You know, because that was a huge concern that there, there, there was more babies there. So I started kind of, um, over the last year, like I've literally been studying those grounds, you know, um, and what the government done. So they went in and they scanned. I couldn't find any results off any scans that they done. I mm-hmm. looked everywhere, right? So I'm kind of thinking, if you scan the grounds, you have to scan first and then excavate, right? 
because when you scan it's like a, a heated radar and mm. it tells you exactly what's there and um so they went in and they they scanned 10 percent of the angels plot and they found 42 baby remains there right um but then i was kind of like but but where is the results of the scan like is that all they found because i i'm convinced that there's more there you know um so i was like well, we, we'll go in and do that so i went in with the same engineers that scanned the grounds of tune um on may the 8th and um they came back and confirmed they confirmed on the spot and they said there's anomalies here there's more and honestly rebecca the release that i felt like you know um i just even did even think that the babies could get an acknowledgement after all this time you know 1097 unaccounted for yeah 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 in, in john ross but if you look at uh, like from an area an area of view you kind of see little pits all over sean ross is huge like you know and are these places that people can walk up to are these places closed down and big fences around them or um yeah you could like um they have they've like they they have a lot of uh, asylum seekers up there mm. now when, when you go up like there's kind of people just floating around the, the place but yeah you could like um you could go in and have a look at the angels plot um but it's kind of weird right the angels plot is is kept kind of nicely you know mm. like survivors do go up and they they put different things there but it's mad because right beside the angels plot is where the nun's graveyard is and the nun that worked there throughout that time her name was sister hildegard um and she's buried next to the angels plot right and um i don't do you know the story of uh, mm. philomena lee i don't know of it i do know uh, but you can tell me yeah yeah mm. so philomena basically um she uh you know she was sent to sean ross abbey um her son was taken off and he was sent over to to the states and um years later uh she was absolutely traumatized for life and years later she ended up uh, going looking for him right she went back to sean ross abbey and she spoke to sister hildegard and she said i want to know where my son is and sister hildegard says well we can't give you that information because we don't know where he is either and um in the meantime um her son michael hess his name is he was over in washington and he was running uh in the congress over there and uh, he found out that he had hiv and um he wanted to go and find his mother right and he 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 knew that he was born in sean ross abbey so he decided he knew he hadn't got long left to live like and he had to find his mother and uh he there's pictures taken you can see him coming over and he, uh, you know talking to sister hildegard and apparently there was only a couple of weeks between the mother being war and him being war and both times sister hildegard told the two of them no i don't know where your mother is don't know where your son is so um michael hess ended up and um, when he passed away he asked for his remains to be buried in sean ross abbey so that his mother could find him oh my god yeah so you have the angels plot here then you have um, the nuns there, Sister Hildegard, and Michael Hess's uh, grave is over there. I know, it's absolutely devastating, the whole thing. Um, so did Philomena then find out that was her son then? Yeah, she, yeah. yeah, she found him. She found out then that was him. But they, they kept that from her, like, you know. Um, but uh, So yeah, there's a lot with the Sean Ross Abbey um, home. Um so anyway, yeah, they, the engineers are saying that uh, they sent me back the results um, this, this week and they confirmed that 
there is a massive area, the whole length of the Angel's Plot, 20 metres long. That's really, that's really large and that's a massive concern. Um, with a GPR scan, you, they can't determine what's there. They can only say that it's unusual activity. Um, but they said that it's no, enough concern um, to, um, like, you know, want an, an investigation from the government. Now, the thing about it, they've also said as well that when the government um, scanned those grounds um, in 2019, uh, these new engineers are saying that the government had to have been aware of that. So, you know, that's they, that's withholding vital information there, you know, again. What are you going to do with your report? Um, well, I've, I've made, a, I've, uh, made a, a complaint to the EU um, and the UN um, in Geneva. And um, because I've been kind of going around like over the last few years and I've just been like so disturbed by the whole thing. Um, and I'm like, there has to be a way. You can, I mean, the government can't go around treating people like this and just keep getting away with it. Like, there mm. has to be a way to, like, address this as a, a citizen of Ireland. Like, do you know mm. what I mean? Or how, what do you do? Do you just kind of go, oh, okay, no worries. Yeah, you just prosecute no one, you know, and dish out legislation to everyone else. Like, you know, that's not right. Um, so I've literally been, I've been going through european law and everything you know so and i there's loads of different concerns that i have as an irish citizen with um the with the state with how they the methods that they used with that the commission of investigation you know um that they're it's they're violating the survivors rights over and over again and we all as citizens we have a right to um it's called a right to remedy you know um and like if if anything happens to you you know that's institutional you have a right for that to be addressed and for you know for them to to resolve that for Mm. you they haven't done that you know and it should be done like as quickly as possible you know and then you have a right to um like you know reparation you know so you where you're, you're financially compensated they mm. haven't gotten that yet they're, they've made it really difficult for the survivors where they're saying now if you were in this mother and baby home for um if you're in the mother, mother and baby home for less than six months um you're not entitled to any compensation because according what this is what they're more or less saying you can't experience trauma in the space of six months like you know um is there anyone in government helping you help, help. yeah um not me personally, no. Yeah. Not not helping me, no. I've um I like I haven't found any of them to be helpful at all. I think Mary Lou has been good, you know, she 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 shows face, she turns up like she's good with the survivors and stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but Roderick O'Gorman, like he I'm devastated, right, over this. I ended up, um, I got on to, there's a, the Sean Ross Abbey group, they're called We Are Still Here, right? Mm. Now, there's only a few of them, and um, these are survivors that were in, in those homes. And I got on to the woman that runs that, right, after we'd done the fundraiser. And um, I've, I'm not, I, I don't really want to get into it, but mm. I've had difficulties with actually trying to um, get into the grounds, mm. you know? Um, even though I shouldn't. You know, there was difficulties there because just pe- it's pe- people didn't want me to do it, put it that way. But there was a lot of people that did want me to do it as well, and they were, like, you know, really supportive. Um, but the the We Are Still Here group, um, I got onto them, and I offered them the funds from the fundraiser. And I was saying, look, so that you can do yourself, and you're not doing it with, with Roderick or mm. the state, like, you know, mm. 
I 100% like don't believe that they should be allowed to investigate an investigation that they're the, the perpetrators are of. I think that's just too lolly stuff. Mm. I mean, the the survivors, the public were going mad going, this is a whitewash. Of course it's going to be a whitewash, mm. you know? Of course it is. The state are investigating themselves. Like, to me, that's like, you know, it's just crazy. It, I believe, like, strongly believe that the EU should be coming in and intervening here because they have laws. They, there's the charter law and Irish laws that, that, that the government are breaching. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever been afraid through all this, have you ever felt that you were, again, not the tin hat thing that we said, but like, have you ever been afraid that you were being one watched or someone wanted to stop you? Yeah, I have, yeah. I'm afraid at the minute. Are you? Yeah, mm-hmm. I have been, yeah. And that's that's why, I mean, this is why I wrote the, the complaint to the EU and the UN, because I don't, I, I don't know where to go with this, do you know? Mm. Um, And now look, that's, that's the thing, Um, like the engineers didn't say that's, baby remains in the ground but they can't say that do you know um but it's it's large it's very similar even the shape of it the logic to it um is the exact same logic to what the the government found where they found the 42 remains do you know what i mean Mm. um it's kind of the same shape Mm. you know and um like it's very very concerning um and i just i don't believe that they want that to come out i mean Mm. they've dragged it out for so long you know it's nine thousand babies that that's um a genocide um the people in vancouver they declared it a genocide um when they found the two 215 babies and thousands of people came out and marched on the streets they they went berserk we have nine thousand babies nobody's nobody's batting an eyelid do you know mm. and that's the i swear that's the only thing i can make of it is like that we have been told for so long that we're not even worth um having a voice or having a say or you know they're going to consider um, like what what kind of government we like to have and what we expect from the government do you know what I mean mm. like it's like I'd love to have a government where you kind of think like they are committed to, to justice they are committed to the truth do you know what I mean and, mm. and especially when like you know and treating the women the way they, and their children the way mm. they should be treated especially after what happened and they haven't they, they haven't done that I'm not going around like all like tinfoil hat head either mm. I've literally I've seen it with my own eyes uh, Roger O'Gorman has no business speaking to them survivors even after he turned around and said that there's no evidence of abuse. There is abuse. There, we, everyone, we all know, the dogs on the street know that the women were abused, the people in Dangham were abused, the people in Letterfrack were abused. Do you know? We all know it. And so he has, what, from what I can tell, I rang up that, we, I got onto the We Are Still Here group and I offered them the money and they said to me, no, we want to go with Roderick. You know? <coughs> and I was like, okay, but I, I thought that was really sad. Mm. of course <coughs> you know of course i just thought wow oh that is awful like god they must be just so desperate do you know because roderick is saying oh mm. no no and so um he, roderick's like no we're, we're going to do it we're going to you know get those babies out of tune and we're going to um like scan the grounds and sean ross abbey you know and he's down there and they're all pally wally and i'm like that's he's gaslighting them that's mm. gaslighting if you tell if i said to you you said to me right oh you rachel you abused me and i goes no i no i didn't i had nothing got to do with that or whatever do you know what i mean and i did abuse and then i'm befriending you mm. that's that's gaslighting mm. he's an agenda yeah that's what he has have you ever been put in a position through all this that you've been like <clears throat> not afraid or like maybe afraid or have you been like right Rachel, you need to stop this. 
all of this. Mm. Yeah, I have, yeah. Like, and even, like, people around me, uh, you know, have been concerned. Um, but my my granddad was in Dangan, you know, and, uh, like, he never really talked about it um, and until he got older. And then when it came out about, you know, the Karanua thing that they set up for people to go and get mm. compensation. What happened in Dangan? Just tell people for anyone who, like, what was happening. Yeah. I think my granddad done something, like, he, he, he robbed fruit or something, something ridiculous, and he got put into Dangan. And um, we, he, he never spoke about it, um, but years later um he he spoke to me <coughs> no we didn't go into graphic detail yeah. right but he came home one night and my granddad was like real he was a butcher right you mm. know what i mean this big big huge hands like he was like oh, if i can't if, if i can't see it it's not really it's one of these real mm. realists you know mm. and um he came in one one night and he was white as a ghost and i was like yeah okay and he was like no i'm actually not and i was like what's wrong and he said i had to go and, and speak to a counselor from that karanua thing and he said um and uh, he says, I told her what happened to me in Dangan. And he says, and he says, you'll never guess what happened. And I said, what? And he said, she started crying, you know. And he, he couldn't get over that, like. He couldn't get over it for the life of him. It was probably the first time somebody mirrored back to him, like, mm. what he should have felt for mm. himself. Do you know? And Karen knew what was that? It was basically a body that was set up um, for people that had suffered institutional abuse um, for them to get compensation and redress, which later turned out that there, there was uh, fraudulent activity um, involved. They were you know, you know, Karen Newa means my friend, yeah. like, mm. you know. Um, so be my granddad, my granddad took to bed after that and, and he barely got out of bed after that and completely disintegrated and passed away then. And he was a strong, he was a strong man. Like, and I, I genuinely believe like that, that, that opened up a can of worms for him. Whatever, whatever that was, mm. what happened there, he wasn't the same after that. Once he started, there was no supports. Like, you know, he just fell asunder. So, um, like that, that's big for me. You know, is that what keeps you going? Yeah, it does. It does. And my dad was in the Christian Brothers as well. Like, you know, um, and when when my dad passed away, he was taking up a case soon. The Christian Brothers as well. So it's kind of close to my heart in that regard, and then it's and then it's like, I ha- I I have been able to, to stop talk, um thinking about them babies, mm. you know. I just ha- I can't stop thinking about it, mm. you know. Um, like the survivors, you know, they like we, we they have a voice, you know, and they're fighting their corner. Those babies haven't got a voice, mm. you know. Um, and it just drives me mad. I, it just really troubles me that the government are doing that, and they're really they're. The, the message they're sending out to women, to Irish women, is that they don't really care. Mm. You know? Yeah, we can see that with everything that's happened in the past few years. Do yeah. you think this is what's keeping you sober? No. 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 Mm. No, it doesn't. No, I don't. Um, if I was kind of reliant on stuff. What do you mean? But, but As in keeping you, keeping you going and keeping you away from, uh, what's, re, what's the word? Relapse. Relapse, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. If I was relying on stuff like that, like all the circumstances outside of me mm. internally to um, be in recovery, I, I'd be gone bye bye. You know, like mm. I don't, um, I wouldn't, no matter what, nothing has that kind of power mm. over me. Mm. You know, I, I, I can't have that because you just get swept away. You know, it has mm. to be. 
I think for me, when it comes to my recovery, it, you have to have your own really kind of your own anchor, something very deep, do you know. Um, mm. So, what keeps you going with this? Is it just your granddad? Is it? Um, well, it's like I kind of got into it and I committed to it, and then the more I get into it and the more that I kind of unearthed and and you know learned about it, mm. I was just like, I'm actually in too deep now. I can't not do it, do you know. Mm. Um, and it was just one of them things that I committed to and I just wanted to, I wanted to finish it, you know, I, was, I couldn't, I, maybe that is that, why you have that personality, you know, yeah. that kind of addictive personality, mm. you know, where it's like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be renowned like for letting stuff go mm. very easily. Mm. <laughs> I can see that, you yeah, know? with you. And yeah. like where, so like, where is the next steps for you right now with all of this? I just um I I want this story to kind of get the right rep- representation, you know, um mm. and I want um I want there to be a full and get investigation into uh, Sean Rossabi. I want that angels plot where we I want them to excavate that and I like I would like them to um scan. I couldn't scan beside uh, of it because of there's too much terrain. It was it's a massive job. Now they Scarce, like because when I went in and scanned the grounds, literally a week later, uh, Roger came out and it's in the papers now. They, they've uh, given the green light, um, for Sean Rossabi to be scanned after, after all these years. That's insane. Yeah. And did they know that you're scanning? That you're no. scanning? Nobody no. knows. Right. No one knew. Okay. No. Uh, no one knew I was scanning at all. Not no one. I kept it all quiet. I know it's just I know I know what I'm dealing with like I know that sounds probably mental but I just didn't feel like I could uh, I was afraid that if I told if I let it out like that someone would try and stop me mm. how do you mind yourself with all of this um I don't mind myself uh I love art you know I music absolutely love music um I don't know. To be honest with you, I really struggled. It really did affect me over the last um, two years. Um, and even though I've, I've all, I'm always kind of talking about trauma, you know, and the the need for trauma-informed care in the addiction services, because I was very lucky, in, like in the sense that I got to go into Keltai, and it's the only it's the only treatment centre in Ireland that, that comes from a trauma-informed care approach. And... Uh, like I was in loads of different treatment centres and they're all great in their, mm. in their own way. Um, but I found that like made a big difference with the approach they had. Um, Did so you I, only get in there because of your, the Alison and because of what you happened with that or when were you in there? Was that like... Yeah, it was kind mm. of after that because I was waiting. I, I was um, I was put on priority list and um, even it took 16 weeks for me to get in there. But sure, that's kind of good, mm. you know. Um, but it's still very long like so uh, I went where did I go I went into Kundara first and then I went into Keltai and um, I just noticed a big difference with the way they dealt with stuff because they had that approach and after that then I kind of started looking into that and I did notice that I, I feel it's something that is missing in a lot of the services is that because a lot of people think oh, yeah, you come into recovery stop taking drugs and you're going to bounce up mm-hmm. that's not always the case like sometimes it takes you know it can take to, I'd say about 8 or 9 years for me did it yeah, you know, for me to kind of connect from your head down to here, you know. Um, is that where it is there? Yeah, it's here, you know. <clears throat> and I do believe that the body does keep the score, you know. And I believe that you can do all the work that you want, because I did. And I used to kind of go, why do I still have this kind of, these 
situations that are happening in my life that's kind of like a pattern similar to my past when I already thought I had dealt with that stuff because mm. I believe that I believe that if you you know if, if you're kind of um have unresolved stuff on on the inside of you and things keep happening over and over it's something that you, you haven't really dealt with properly that mm. will manifest itself in in different ways in the exact same way but it'll probably be, be probably be with just a different person mm-hmm. but the same pattern it's not got to do with that person it's got to do with me and stuff that I haven't resolved and sometimes I kind of go she's I've done so much work around that like why, why why does it keep coming up all the time why am I not okay with that and sometimes it just takes time do you think it's the body that holds it yeah I do mm. I really do 100% because I, I, I feel it you know um because uh, I think over the last, I'd say, eight years or so, is I've really felt that. Really, really felt it where I've kind of been super protective of my energy, you know, and having really strong boundaries because I just knew the damage that I'd done in my own, own addiction. And it took that length of time for me to really connect with that. And that's grand. That's okay. You have to, I think if you understand, um, you know, uh, it, it took me a lot a lot of work for me to get to that place where I did have that kind of compassion for myself but that was kind of me going and taking responsibility for stuff that I had done throughout my addiction and the people that I had taught you know my family and friends and stuff like that uh, really taking responsibility and sometimes that takes a long time as well and it's not always just about saying sorry you know it's mm-hmm. about real change like you know and actually showing people like that you, you are trying your best to do that you know when was the not the light bulb moment but when was the moment that you were like <clears throat> i have to be nicer to myself um you know i'd kind of i'd have kind of head level moments where i knew it but not really on in here um i i think it was about eight about seven or eight years ago when that stuff really started to hit, hit me a nice it hit me hard really really hard like i just i think for about a year or probably more, I just couldn't stop crying, you know. Just, what were you crying for? Um, well, I mean, even when I done that play with, with the heroin play, right, so it was kind of based off my book, you know, and we had, like, um, we done two different productions where there was an actress that acted out pieces of my book, right? Now, with my addiction, and I've spoken about this, I did end up, um, like, uh, working the streets and stuff like that. You know, I went through all of that kind of stuff and um, really, really damaged myself. Like, um, and when we were doing heroin and the girls were acting that stuff out right on on the on the stage, I it, it was like as if I was looking at somebody else's life. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? I was so so removed from it. I just couldn't take it in, you know. But at the same time, I was um, like, I was trying to obviously like. When I wrote my book, I was trying to like highlight the gaps in the services and stuff that mm. I, you know, I, I had experienced the stigma and stuff like that, you know. Um, but yeah, I remember then, right, the play was on in the Axis and people start crying and they start getting up out of their seats and walking out and everything. And and, and it kind of, that's when it started to hit me, really. And I was mm. like, Jesus Christ, like, I know we all know that that's terrible, you know, that's terrible that that happened. But to really kind of take that in. You know, and go, oh, why are you doing Just that? see what happened to stay with, that happened to your granddad, and that happened to you. So your granddad, the, the counsellor cried, and he realised. Yeah. And then you're sitting in a situation where you're like, I'm just watching a play, but it's actually, 
it's your life and you're looking at how your life on stage is affecting people and that's giving you that light bulb moment where you're like fuck yeah being mirrored back to you yeah <clears throat> sometimes it does take that like you know mm. for, for for it to be mirrored back to you and but that's the thing i think it, it, it could be mirrored back to you a million and one times but until you're ready to receive that you won't like so this is what I'm saying. I've seen loads of people in recovery and they go around like the way I did, like literally. I went all over the world, all sorts of treatment centres. Um, I went, I was in Loch Derg, like literally walking, you know, the rosary 40,000 times a day, you know, flames coming out of me arse and everything type of stuff. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? Like mm. I was just, like I would have done anything. Mm. Loads of different things I've done, you know, tried gestalt therapy, clients and, you know, all sorts. And um and, and, and then I and then I'd go off and use drugs again. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And I'd be like and my family would just I mean, they and rightly enough they got to a point where they just washed their hands of me, like, you mm-hmm. know. They were just like, Oh, we can't be dealing with this now. You're you're getting all these, you know, you, you had the opportunity and you keep relapsing, like, you know, what is that about? You know? But I always do say now, you know, the, the drugs are a symptom of stuff that is much deeper. You know, and that's what people would be terrified of that. You're like, oh my God, I don't want to look at myself like, you know what I mean? Because um, it's so hard to look at yourself. It's so yeah. hard to just even take something in. <coughs> like Paul and I went off last week now to a religious thing, but like it's not, yeah. it's, it's, it's different. Yeah. Um, we went off to... <laughs> to And it's 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 a band that, that we love and we went off to it. And like he said to me, and he was like, because we were talking about the girls and, you know, he, he, on my perimenopausal, you know, that rage, the rage. And I, and I do have a bit of rage. Yeah. And um, he was like, you need to do that. He's like, but I think that stems back to your childhood and, you know, what happened to you. Like, my mum gave me up, but she didn't really give me up. It's, it's a long story and it's dead and buried. Yeah. But I went in to meet a girl to do... Yasmin she has like McCree therapy and I went in to meet her to have a chat about coming on the pod and talking me through different things with people and she was like come on I do a session I was like no 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 I was like you're absolutely not doing a session with me no way and then yeah. even Saturday night we were out my friend said to me would you not let someone into and I was like no because as much and only when he asked me on Thursday night I haven't dealt with it and I know I haven't dealt with it yeah I know I haven't and I, I and I accept that I haven't dealt with it. But mm. at the same time, it's too fucking hard for me to look at. Yeah. Because yeah. as soon as she said to me about the session, I got... <laughs> and I was like... And I started getting really emotional. I said, no, yeah, I'm going to talk about that. And I talk about... Yeah. So it is so hard... Yeah. yeah. To look at yourself and realise yeah. what's going on in your life. Big time. And the way... Like, even when you said that there, you were like, oh, no, I've dealt with it. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. I was like... Oh, geez, remind me of me, like, you know, yeah. the, way you, the way you say stuff like that. I don't know if you ever fully de- deal no. with stuff like that. And this is the thing, and this is the compassion piece, you know. Mm. This is the compassion piece like that. Um, it doesn't have to be, like, everything all at once, you know. It can be just like that bottle, kind of just opening a little bit, like, shh, letting a little bit of gas yeah. out. Uh, and that's it, I think, is, and doing it at your pace and, mm. and actually trusting your, your own intuition and your own body, mm. do you know. Like, like if you, when you, if you're kind of getting that, whoa. Yeah. Like, People will probably turn around and go, oh, no, you know, you should, that's the time now, you should push past that, like, yeah. you know, but I don't know about that, like, mm, yeah. <laughs> you know? I totally agree with you, like, I don't, yeah. like, and people are like, you should be talking to someone now about, because, like, no, 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 because <laughs> yeah. I put myself into a coma for six months, do you know what I mean, I woke out yeah. of bed for six months, and right Children's now, look after yeah, like, do you yeah. know what I mean, and I get it, and I think that's especially even with men and your granddad, it's not yeah. until they're 
so old that they kind of deal with it then and then you're like Jesus Christ and he dealt with it by dying do you know what I mean that's how yeah. he dealt with it yeah and you don't want that but also at the same time I'm sure even though you're saying he was cranky because my dad was cranky I'm sure he did have a lovely life with his lovely family and all of that so yeah it's it it is a weird one for me whether to deal with shit or not deal with shit for you yeah yeah do you know what I mean um, yeah, I mean, I I, to, I don't think you get away with not. No, yeah, I, I yeah. swear, what because what I found is is that it materializes, mm. especially when you become aware of it. You know, yeah. like, and the other, you know what thing is is that I think we know anyway already mm. the answers. Do you mm. know what I mean? It's not like you're going to find some shocking revelation <laughs> yeah. about yourself, like that you're what, like you're a monster or something. Yeah. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or the people mm. around you were monstrous, yeah. or do you know, or something mad. Like, and, and even at that, I don't know. I think. You'd kind of, um, I suppose you kind of have to trust like that. Uh, you know, you you find a way. Yeah. You know that when you when you are ready, but I think if you don't deal with it, it materializes in different ways. Um, like say you know, with say the likes of abuse, like anything, like mm. abuse of your if you have abuse in your mm. past, more than likely, like you'll probably not more than likely, but I've seen people mm. end up with. Uh, partners that are probably exactly like their abuser. Yeah. Do you know this type of stuff? Yeah. Like? It's when my mother in law says to me, It give you cancer. It's going to fucking give you cancer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I give out about him I give out about him, him smoking all the time or you know what I mean? And like I because even though we met and he smoked, I still like and I'm like he's smoking and all and that's really all I have. I'm very lucky. I, that's all really I give out about him, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um she's like, Will you stop? It's going to give you fucking cancer. And I yeah. do feel that sometimes your body, as you said, stuff manifests in your body and just stays there. Yeah. Until yeah. you deal with it. Yeah. And you're probably around, um, you're probably around, like most people around me, right? They're kind of, they're actually getting into, into all this Reiki yeah. and, you know, the healing and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Like, and I've, I've done loads of that over the years yeah. myself. You know, I've, I've studied psychotherapy and counselling and I'm fascinated by it all. Yeah. But um, I just... Uh, because I was doing so much work around addiction and all that, like it was, it, was, it just got a bit much. Yeah. And you kind of have to like, for me, I was just like, I need a balance here, you know. Um, but most of my friends are into that. They're raking. They're like, come over. Like, <laughs> I'm getting offers every every month. I get an offer for some someone saying, "Will you come?" And one girl, I was like, "I'm ne- I'm literally nearly there, but yeah. I just can't. I just yeah. don't want to." Yeah, you're like, "No, you're not fucking with my chakras." Yeah, today. like, yeah, yeah. Just I'm not texting. today. Another day, but just not today. Yeah, yeah. I know. I I believe that because I my partner as well. He got onto mm. me there a couple of weeks ago. And he says, "Rachel, he says, um." Uh, fella I'm working with here now his um, his sister does Reiki and she's meant to be amazing she's in such and such place but I book you in nice I was completely on, put on the spot like mm. sure he's just trying to be nice and yeah. you know, trying to look out for me and all that you know and I just when he came back and I said will you come here Dean will you do me a favour <laughs> don't do not do that again Yeah, <laughs> don't yeah. put me on the spot like that yeah. do you know what I mean and he's like I'm sorry I was like no I know you mean well but I kind of suss those things out by me gut mm. in the moment mm. with whoever it is that, do you know Yeah. like it's the vibe I get if I know in my heart that it feels right well then I'll go and do it yeah. if it doesn't feel right I won't do it I know, know I mean? and, I, that, and I've said this before, but I did something with, and I brought Amelia to it, and she was like, "Get me out here right now!" She's like, "This is like she's twelve, and yeah. she was like, call me dad, get him to come and get me because this is mental, this is a cult, these are all like honoring this man who's there." Like and, and she was like, "I need to go home, ma'am. I should not be here." And it was literally just yoga on the beach, and she was like. 
get me out of here she was like why are they all honoring this man she was like and she like she was so intuitive into that moment that when I then went back and looked I was like yeah it's all egomania dear it's all ego yeah this is and this is the thing and it's it's like it's an even with the whole mother and baby home stuff it's Mm. it's the same thing like you'll always get that you know and see that now i'm very very iffy when it comes to the um spiritual stuff mm. because i think that spirituality can be be the most dangerous weapon mm-hmm. of all that's probably a, uh, um, not a great way to look at it but it's what i've experienced that when when people are vulnerable right you have to really like you, you have to go to the right people you have mm. to make sure that you do your kind of background checks and mm. do you know what i mean yeah and, uh, and go with your go because I had, even when I was younger, like, um, I kind of, I think that there was certain stuff that I'd done where I opened myself up spiritually to different things I don't think I was the better for. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So now I'm like, I'm literally like Norse Ratchet when it comes to my own spiritual en- energy, mm. you know? Lock it up. Lock it up. <laughs> <laughs> Throw away the kids. Don't let anyone in. <laughs> it's, but it, it, it's so true because it can affect you so much. And like it, this band that we went to see, like a friend of mine down from school was like, oh my God. She was like, do you know that church and what that's about? I was like, I get it all. I was like, I'm not about to sell my house and give them, you know, 300 grand and go yeah, work for them for free. Was it? Yeah, no, yeah. it was Hillsong United. It's um, oh, yeah. the Hillsong love, Church. Hillsong. Yeah, I loved yeah, them. Like, yeah, vibe, yeah. Like, yeah. And, and they were like, um, I was like, I'm not about to do that. I just yeah. like the music and the music yeah. moves me. And and yeah. she was like, yeah, but you know, like they have slaves and they have people that, you know, just work 40 hours a week for nothing and they sell their homes. And, they, and I was like, yeah, but I'm not about to do that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm grand. Yeah, do you know what like, I mean? You don't get <laughs> 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 so I like, so, but like, so, but I do firmly believe that there is a lot of people in recovery that sometimes that spiritual part is not probably the right path for them well i mean statistically right i think that most people do recover when there is some kind of spirituality involved mm. you know and i don't know kind of it does make sense like mm. i think you know but i think false spirituality do you know what i mean like not like what yeah 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 thought like with going down and doing those things that you have to go and do like not i'm not attacking everything like but i just feel yeah. that just balanced. with a balance do you know what i mean it's not like the church and spirituality yeah i know because even my brother was in quimera and it was all about spirituality yeah. i just think sometimes going down and honoring one person standing up there telling you what's what yeah and then making you go into sea and dip your head and come back out of it and then you know you can't put not false prophets do you know what i mean but also yeah. don't put your faith into any one person at the same time yeah it's a mad one like because i mean as i said to you when i was growing up i i lo- i loved the church like mm. and i used to sing in the choir so i was always there in, in the church you know singing and then i spent a lot of time in a uh, temple street hospital with me asthma mm. so the nuns you know with the big huge habits them big, yeah them big white oaks they used to come up to the ward and get, collect me and bring me down to the church and teach me the songs and all so i have like really good memories of uh yeah. of you know religion you know um and then when I, uh, when I was in the tick of addiction, um, I was re- probably at my worst around 1997 to, uh, to 1997 to probably around 1990. I have to take my jacket off. Yeah, come on. Of course, Karen, I know sweating. it's sweating in this house. It's so heavy, I'm, open, it? oh, Paul, I'm opening this door. Because it is, it's sweating. I'm talking. I'm, uh, I'm literally 
like blown the head off you about all sorts. <laughs> no, you're not, not I'm like, well. yeah, no, you're grand. No, but that's not like Paul will kill me for talking about the church because he hates me talking about it. You know what I mean? He's like, stop pushing. I was like, I'm not pushing that on people. Like, so we probably, we probably like, we're editing that out. But I do feel a little bit like, yes, you need your spirituality. You need all that. My brother definitely needed it. Um, yeah. But also, I think people just need to lock themselves up as well well the thing about it is is that i what i think right is that if you're putting um now i was very lucky right now i i i sometimes think that my this sounds terrible and i hate saying it because i could turn, turn people off even going into recovery but if you're desperate enough you'll try anything is mm. the bottom line um but uh sometimes my i feel like my, my recovery was worse than my addiction mm. that's no word of lie because of um a lot of it can be very misguided you know what I mean? Of um, people that are kind of telling you to do X, Y, and Z that, that like, have been through a lot themselves. Do you know mm. that way? Um, and it can get very kind of, like, um, tainted along the way. Do you know mm. what I'm saying? Mm. And it can be difficult because you're, on one hand, you're being t- kind of told, well, you know, um, your best decisions, uh, like, nearly killed you. So you can't really um, depend on your own mind. Mm. But basically, you're batshit crazy. Yeah. You know? this type of stuff right and you're kind of like right okay that's fair enough i have ended up in shit so i kind of should be really listening to other people and taking advice you know because mm. i you know ha- clearly the evidence is there that i keep ending up in these situations all the time so i can't rely on my own head like mm. so in one breath you're being told that do you know what i mean but then you can kind of get really over dependent on other people because then you're not really trust in yourself mm. you know and, and it can become like another addiction you know yeah and you never really get that kind of um real security like i i went and i i've kind of briefly talk, talked about this right and i i don't know i might talk about it more going forward because um i went and i done the 12-step program a few different types of ones and um thankfully right after being there from 1997 up until 2013 2014 it was right at the very end that i now don't get me wrong i found I'm, I'm so many people in recovery have to hide respect for mm. you do like loads of friends from that circle but i found people that um i they genuinely knew what they were knew what they were talking about in terms of the the big book do you know what i mean mm like where it kind of seemed like um it wasn't too extreme to me it was just somewhere there in the middle that kind of resonated with me mm. and uh at the end of it like i went and i done a bit of work with them and at the end of it all i kind of made the decision that i i was like that's it i'm done now i'm i i don't mean i'll, I'll be completely done from may or anything like that mm. but i'm done for now because i felt like that um it was that trauma piece that i was missing i done all done the program over and over and over got so much from it but I still wasn't okay. And mm. there was something about that. Why not? Why, why wasn't I okay? I'm actually doing all of this stuff. And loads of people have done it. And they say, they're talking about basking in the sunlight of the spirit. I, I don't feel like I'm basking in the sunlight mm. of the spirit. I'm mm. absolutely in rag order. Like, you know, mm. <laughs> really. Mm. <laughs> you know? So I was like, I'm actually going to walk away for a while because I felt like I was regurgitating me past over and over and over. And I think people that experience trauma do tend to do that. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like naturally, you kind of have to, to try and make sense of it, and you can kind of heal by doing that. But to me, doing um, me doing it for years and years mm. and years, I felt like I was actually doing more damage to mm. myself. So I made the decision to kind of do my own thing. That was really hard, you know, that way to do that because you're kind of told, "Oh, stay in the middle now," because you know, like row that boat in the middle. Because if you walk away, you know, you you could relapse. But the reality was, was that I kind of usually relapsed anyway. Yeah. 
Do you know? Yeah. So I was like, so what? Why would you be? Why would you be? Why would you stay in something that that has only kind of gotten you so far mm. and just f- f- out of fear? Mm. I don't want to live with fear. No. Do you know what I mean? I may as well be on drugs, like or something. That's not recovery to me. That's not me healing. So I kind of made that decision to uh, walk away, and uh, I kind of shut down shop, like mm. um, made a, a re- New Year's resolution to myself a good few years ago, and I was like, it's like a gift to myself. Mm. I I was like, I'm not going to get into a relationship, get out of the relationship that I was in for nine years. Uh, I'm going to stay in relationships probably for the first time since I was a kid. Mm. I was always in these kind of really long-term yeah. things. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'm going to stay out of a relationship and uh, give myself that time to heal. And I'm going to get on to people that are close to me and tell them and say, listen, I might not be as available as I was before or, or, or as accessible. Do you know? And I was like, and the people that really love me will be there at the end. Mm. Do you know? And I swear to God, it's the best thing that i ever done in my life. Were it they there for you in the end? end? It was, huh? Were they there for you in the end? Um, no, not, not everyone. Mm. <laughs> not everyone was, but that's grand, mm. you know? Um. And but it was um, like it was kind of funny to watch, like mm. as well, you know. But that's the thing. So it's like I can't. My recovery can't be reliant on other people. Yeah, really or tough. this situation. Because this is what I was wondering. I was wondering: is she throwing herself into all of this for a recovery? No, no, no way. I'm no. Yeah, you have to have some kind of a anchor on the inside, mm. you know. Um, and I would be very, very conscious of that, like you know, not to get swept away, mm. you know. <clears throat> I've, like I've done a lot of work on myself but that's not to say I, I never underestimate you know like that could happen again but I'm not going to live in that fear mm. you know and I'm not going to let that fear drive me to do to do stuff that I don't really feel comfortable with and is that where you, you are know? today? yeah that is where I am yeah yeah 100% um, the last couple of years have been tough I just I really want to kind of get this done now um, like the people that have supported it honest to God I'm just so grateful the experiences that we've had I feel like that was really healing I'm delighted that people kind of got to you know like um, do, do cacao ceremonies and do all the lovely stuff that they've done I think it did make a difference mm. but there was a lot of people that didn't support as well it's the truth mm. you know people that would have had a lot of power to, that could have pushed this forward a lot quicker um, and I found that very strange. You go on social media and you look at things about eyelashes and they, like, you know what I mean, get like hundreds and thousands of yeah. engagement. Mm-hmm. And then you talk about something like this and it's like, it's silence, like deafening silence. Um, so I I knew the whole time, like, that there was more in the, those grounds. Don't know exactly yet what it is, but um, yeah, it's, it's enough. It's, you know, it's enough. And the survivors are going to not be survivors for. Long, much longer like you know what I mean as you said yeah. to, you know and then I think when that happens and we see these women passing it'll it'll be just another like bowing the cap for the government to be able to go well we don't need to talk about this anymore because you know there's no one to shouting about it yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. and I just think that like if, if people really understood if they knew what was mm-hmm. going on I, I'd say more people and this is what I was thinking like Roderick O'Gorman and, Gorman and uh, the state should be worried about that mm-hmm. if someone like me from the north side of Dublin could just waltz in to Sean Rossabi and Scandal's grounds I mean there's loads of other homes out there mm-hmm. there's nine te- like there's thousands of babies that are un- unaccounted for do you know so I mean anyone else could do it if I could do it and on that note we leave it yeah. there Rachel, thank you so much for your time tonight. And I really hope, like, you know, that, as I said, if we were to look at that image, like, 
we would be like like not not to, like to minimize it like a royal wedding but like people fucking sat and watched a royal wedding for two hours yeah like if we were to sit and look at 760 out of babies yeah being pulled out of the ground yeah we would burn the city down. We 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 should. That's what we should be doing. Do you know what I mean? That's what they're doing in uh, in Vancouver. They burned the churches down. No, yeah. I'm not saying. Do you know what I mean? I know. But yeah, figure of speech. Figure of speech. No, they yeah, like they actually did. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> but I'm like figure of speech. No, yeah, 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 yeah. But that's yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know? yeah. So sad. But I hope. Yeah. I hope that you do. Like now, he said that he's going to do this, or they're going to scan it now. They've said so. Fingers crossed, and I pray. Well, I do I, pray. I don't want them to do it. It's yeah. The thing. Now mm. I know that I might be throwing a spanner in the works for the survivors mm. that have worked so hard, and this is where you'd be kind of torn. Mm. I don't think they have have any right go near that, and I really mm. feel strongly about that. I I think that the EU need to step in and intervene. Mm. You know, and that they they need to set up a a, a body, and then a, like that can actually monitor it going forward yeah. and make sure that you know that documents aren't being destroyed going missing that they're not you know that just that just transparency there mm. you know and there hasn't been transparency so that's what's um, needed transparency really yeah, is needed here with yeah, this situation absolutely. but I, they've no business uh, investigating um, an investigation that they're the perpetrators of you know I agree yeah. thanks Rachel thank you